We Have Issues is a weekly podcast full of reviews of comics and oversharing. We use grown-up language to make very childish jokes. You can find the show at wehaveissues.net, as well as anywhere else where average to not too bad podcasts can be found. Hello listener and welcome to episode 112 of We Have Issues. My name's Nick and uh, I present this show uh, on behalf of the Other 10% website. Um, It's been a while, I'm feeling a bit rusty, it has been a little while since I've done one of these, a couple of weeks. Um, I apologise for that if you listen really, really regularly. It's been a weird couple of weeks, and things didn't quite come together for uh, for the previous episode uh, to come out. And I didn't really read any comics, and no one else was around because everyone was quite busy, and it, it all went a bit odd. This week is going to be slightly uh, better than better than nothing. It's a good selling point for the episode, isn't it? It's going to be slightly better than nothing. And I think it's quite a good episode, actually. It's a podcast about comics, and there will be some talking about comics, a, a little bit. Not too much, don't worry, but a little bit. And um, if you want to listen to our previous episodes, you can do that at wehaveissues.net. Uh, you can also subscribe at your podcatcher of choice, whatever that may be. Uh, if you do like the podcast, please do rate and review uh, us at your podcatcher of choice. Apparently, it's helpful. Um, actually, I'm... I'm not even convinced that it is helpful. I think what would be more helpful is if you like what we do um, or you think that a, a particular book we talk about might really appeal to, to someone you know and uh, you think we do a good job of uh, recommending it, uh, please do share us with the people you know. I, I really do think that personal recommendation... Um, is the best way to hear about things and it tends to stick a bit better uh, that said uh, we got our building work done by a bloke who was personally recommended and he did an all right job of the roof and of the ceiling hatch but he was very difficult to get hold of doesn't really answer his emails or anything um so personal recommendation isn't always the best way to find out about stuff but so you can listen to the previous episodes at wehaveissues.net. You can uh, talk to us on Twitter. Uh, when I say us, it's usually me. Um, at issuespod, I-S-S-U-E-S-P-O-D on Twitter. Uh, there's a We Have Issues page on Facebook if you search for We Have Issues. And you can talk to me on Twitter at Nixight, N-I-X-S-I-G-H-T, although most comic talk and pop culture talk and stuff like that I tend to do on the We Have Issues account anyway. There's also a Patreon. Um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TOTP uh, to uh, contribute a little bit of money to us. Uh, it's for this podcast and for the Two Grand Men podcast, which is one that I do with my podcast spouse, uh, James. That one's about parenting. This one's about comics, but both are, both are supported by the same Patreon, and uh, and we are very very grateful to everybody who contributes to that. Uh, speaking of James, 
If you've been listening to the podcast for a while and the previous uh, podcast about comics we did, the Momcast, you will know that James is... Oh, I should warn you, there might be swears. Uh, there are quite often swears. So James is fucking obsessed with Seinfeld. He uh, goes on and on and on about it constantly. And, and if you've paid attention to him talking about that, then you probably will have heard me talking about how really uh, uh, like I've weaponized my ambivalence towards Seinfeld and talking to him about it. Him being enthusiastic about it has made me care even less about it than I had previously. Um, the good news is I no longer have to uh, worry about watching Seinfeld. Seinfeld was a, a hugely influential... Uh, influential? Did I pronounce that wrong? I think I did. A hugely influential sitcom um, and uh, situation comedy, that is. Um, and it's uh, not just influential, it was uh, a massive uh, piece of the culture uh, uh, during the years it ran and continues to be now. And um, I've always felt like maybe by not really enjoying it or getting it, I was missing out on a huge chunk of the culture that lives and breathes around us and moves through us, uh, binding us. Um, and, uh, and you know, I have to admit, when James has talked about it, uh, I have uh, been uh, angry with him and amused at him and I've mocked him. But deep down, I've I've kind of thought, what if he's right? What if, like, with god it turns out that not believing in seinfeld um might might mean i'm missing out on something and you know when i when i die i'll have to face up to uh, seinfeld will be there and he'll say but what did you think of my show and i'll have to say oh i, I didn't really i didn't uh, really believe you really existed uh seinfeld um I, to be honest, I don't really have an opinion. If anything, I'm a little bit annoyed that I'm expected to like it just because I'm a man of a certain age. And, you know, I'll end up in hell. Uh, sitcom hell. Um, I'm not sure what sitcom hell would look like. Probably won't be funny, though. So, anyway. James has been banging on about it for ages. Uh, if you, like me, feel like you have missed out uh, on something by um, not really bothering with Seinfeld uh, but you aren't worried enough about it that you're actually going to watch the show uh, James has something for you also if you watch Seinfeld and you really really like it and you want to listen to a podcast about it um, James has something for you as well uh, so James uh, is uh, teaming up with our um friend jane's podcast no not podcast spouse her actual real life life partner uh steve who is a great podcaster in his own right um james is teaming up with him and they are doing a podcast about seinfeld it's a uh, pretty much an episode guide it's called hello newman i'm going to let them talk to you about it now <laughs> Hello, I'm James and I've loved Seinfeld ever since it was part of the BBC Two's late night lineup in the 1990s. Hello, I'm Steve. I also experienced Seinfeld in the same time slot, except I greeted it with great indifference and only watched the first episode. But together we're going to watch the entire Seinfeld series in a show that we call Hello Newman. 
And that show's going to be going out uh, Mondays. Um, hopefully, uh, there should be an episode in the bank, in the tank, right there, sitting there waiting for you. Um, if you go and look for it as soon as you've listened to this, or, you know, if you want to stop this podcast, you can go listen to it now. Um I'd rather you listen to the whole of this, but that's fine. So that's going to be coming out Monday. It'll be uh, presented on the other 10% website, um, but also you'll be able to subscribe to it uh, using your podcatcher of choice. It's all very exciting. James is very excited about this. I've listened to the first episode. It's really, really good. Um, and I'll play you a, a couple of clips from that now. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure the telephone call gets longer in later later episode have always been fascinated by the extra long American telephone cord. Me too. Why do you so rarely see they, them in the United they, Kingdom? They run for an entire length of a room, if not a room and a half. Absolutely, yeah. You can often Never. walk from your from your kitchenette. You can walk into the living room and to the bottom of the stairs. Like the cord from the handset to the <clears> phone <throat> is quite long, and then the cord yeah. from the phone to the top yeah. is also quite long. Yeah. Yeah, you almost wonder whether cord is uh, a naturally occurring uh, telephone cord could be a naturally occurring resource in uh, in America. So, uh, like it was from a plant. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it could be the the camper plant plant. Uh, in many ways, the uh, Seinfeld the series is really about a young man constantly trying to get laid. I mean, <laughs> episode after episode of someone trying to have sex with another person. <laughs> God, I'd, I'd never really considered it like that. I wish I hadn't stripped it down. I think I might have spoiled it for myself, Steve. Oh, no. We've got a long way to go. So, um, as there's a woman on screen now, we should probably critique what she's wearing. So, if you've been listening to any of the podcasts we do for a while, you'll uh, know that um, I have a bit of trouble emoting sometimes. So I'm aware that I've said that I, I, that this is quite exciting. This new podcast is quite exciting a couple of times. And I realized I'd said it a few times and maybe it didn't sound like I was being sincere because I have trouble with that. But it actually is really, really exciting. It's, uh, James hasn't been able to do this show for a little while because, um, he doesn't enjoy comics as much as he used to, I think. And, um, we do two grown men, but, uh, but that's, that's very different. That's just us chatting. And it is really good to see him so excited about something. But at the same time, it's really cool, uh, that I don't have to watch Seinfeld now. I can just listen to the podcasts and feel like I'm watching it and getting the best of what it is without having to put myself through it. Also, though, um, it, it means that, uh, this is, I think, the first new thing coming out from the other 10% website. Um, it is entirely James and Steve's thing, uh, but we're very pleased to present it. Uh, the other 10% pretty much launched with We Have Issues, and it's meant to have been doing a whole bunch of different stuff, but um, I'm really, really bad at actually launching stuff and actually making stuff and getting stuff done. Uh, so it is really cool that that we've finally got something else coming out through the site and that it's james doing it and that he's excited about it and it's fun and um yeah it's all good um so uh this episode's been going for about 10 10 15 minutes 
Um, and uh, it's only really been me, aside from those clips. Those clips are nothing to do with comics, really, uh, even though um, James is quite comical, um, and uh, Jerry Seinfeld is a, a comic as well. But, I mean, comics is in four-colour comics, uh, you know, sequential art and stuff like that, and it is supposed to be a podcast about comics. So, in a little while, um, I Jane and I were uh, able to get into the studio and talk uh, about a book that she read recently. Um, and that's really good. I'll share that with you soon. But I also read a few comics in the last week or so. That, uh, Well, I read quite a few comics that probably weren't really worth talking about. But I read a few that were quite interesting and, uh, and uh, un- unusual and... Um, Actually, quite unusually for me, these uh, all three of them are by uh, well, not just unusually for me, unusually for comics, really. Um, these are all by single creators. Uh, you know, they're they're helped along by other people, but um, but these three comics are all uh, by. Uh, I'm not sure if it was James or Jane or John who coined the term drawthers, but they're all by writer artists. I think they're all creator owned as well. The first one is uh, the first issue of a book called Planetoid Praxis. It's coming out from Image, but it's uh, written and drawn by Ken Gehring. Now, I didn't realise until I read uh, Gehring's text at the back, explanation at the back. This is actually the follow-up to a previous story. It's kind of a space opera or a deep space sort of social... um, uh, social science fiction uh story um and i haven't read it i haven't i think it was called planetoid i haven't read the original so i don't really know very much about it i can surmise a certain amount of stuff uh that might happen in it based on this but i think this might be set quite some time after it uh it's called planetoid practice as i mentioned before and the scene opens with a very alien uh well still humanoid but a very alien looking um, creature landing on a planet uh, that's uh, sort of techno organic looking. It doesn't. It it it's a planetoid, I guess. Hence the title. But it it looks like it's been built out of uh, out of machines and um, uh, you know old uh, metallic buildings. But everything's kind of worn down. Um, and this alien is walking across this planetoid. Um, it's all silent. The first few pages are silent, but you get to see a very alien, uh, very worn landscape before um, he or they, I can't remember if we ever nailed down their gender, they eventually meet a small child who takes them, uh, who's a human, who takes uh, takes them to meet um, the other people at, at her settlement who imprison the alien um, instantly on sight because um, it it is one of a race that they have previously been at war at, and um, and the story unfolds from there. Now, I won't say too much about the story because it's it's a it's a story that really it deals with a lot of different characters and a, a lot of different dynamics and a lot of different things that are happening. And to explain 
what happens beyond the, the point of what I just told you would probably give away quite a lot of what happens. I'm still not sure about this, uh, this comic. I think a, a lot of my problems with it come from the fact that I, I didn't realize it was, um, it was, uh, a continuation of something else. So I really didn't know what to expect. And I thought the, um, alien that we see for the first few silent pages was going to be who the comic was about um, they serve as a catalyst for the comic for what's going to happen but this is basically about um a uh society a settled society that uh is on tenuous ground is very fragile uh, in terms of how many resources it's got but also in terms of the uh, peace that exists there, or at least the peace of mind that exists there among the people. It's very difficult for the leaders to keep the people in this society, um, in this small society, uh, happy. Well, not really happy. It's, it's very difficult to keep them, um, just, uh, willing to do what it takes to survive. Um, and I spent a lot of the first issue really confused as to who I was supposed to be paying attention to because I thought that's the sort of comic it was going to be. The uh, cover is a really nice image, but it it's a, a single protagonist on the cover and um, it makes it look like a space opera. And that isn't really what this is. As I said, it's more about... Although it's a very alien setting, this planet that these people have landed on, you get the sense that they're refugees from a, a war that happened in the previous um in the previous series. And um and there's clearly a lot of resentment there. They're trying to be a uh, be a society, uh, but they're struggling, and that's what it's about. That's what this uh, comic is about. And um and it's interesting and it does a really good job of presenting the different viewpoints in a situation like that and the different frames of mind in a situation like that um what i didn't get from this first issue was a a really strong sense of characterization or um any particular characters that that i could uh, really invest in but again i'm not sure if that's because i was expecting something completely different uh I think it might be that this is the sort of uh, comic that isn't entirely comic-driven, that it is just supposed to be about um, how these different people fit together. Um, and it's good if you can really relate to characters like that, but but that wouldn't necessarily all be apparent from the first issue. It reminded me a little bit of The Expanse, actually, uh, the TV series. I haven't read the books. In that, In the first couple of episodes of that show... You don't really, the, the characters kind of feel almost like archetypes, um, or they feel like their viewpoints. You don't really, uh, learn much more about them until later on. And you're also dropped into this situation and you're having to piece together the politics of the situation, um, as you go, basically, as, as the situation unfolds. It's also quite shocking. Uh, it, it, it makes, a quite shocking decision in this first issue. Um, and, and that was a little bit unsettling for me, but actually I think that's the thing that interested me most and that's going to get me to come back. That and the fact that the, as I, as I suggested, the, um, 
characterization wasn't particularly sympathetic or um that wasn't the strongest part of it but the actual storytelling um the way it's plotted how you shift perspective how you shift perspective throughout this first issue to um to get a, a strong overall sense of what's going on in this in this uh, very limited place um is actually really well told the writing there is really really good and the plotting there's really good and the art is gorgeous it's a sort of a pseudo realistic style that isn't to say i don't mean photorealistic it's a sort of like a brian hitch-esque approach to line and um the landscapes and the textures uh of the technology and uh, and everything on this planet even though once you meet the people they're all very human all of the technology feels kind of lived in but also really beautifully rendered um i've never heard of kangaring before either so it might be it might be that this is uh this is an un, a, a talent that as far as i've experienced is completely untapped and it'll be really interesting to go and read some more of uh, his stuff it reminded me a little bit of when you pick up a copy of heavy metal and you try and read one of those space operas in that that have these sprawling uh timelines and you're not sure if it's that um that you're not reading it in the original language or there's some sort of cultural uh thing that's separating you from it or if it's just that you've dropped into the middle of something that's much bigger and you are meant to know more about it i don't know anyway planetoid praxis uh it was a really interesting first issue and i think i am going to try and uh, get hold of the the second one um Another book I read this week was Extremity. It's Extremity number one. It's by Darren Warren Johnson uh, with colours by Mike Spicer. Darren Warren Johnson wrote and drew this. And uh, from the afterword, this is a, a very personal work uh, as far as uh, he's concerned as well. It follows uh, two characters who are kind of the... They're the son and daughter of a clan leader we uh we see them early early on in the comic losing um losing their mother uh in a really violent attack on their clan the wrinkle is that uh in the world that they exist in it's all um they're all everyone's in the air so uh they um roam from place to place they're kind of roaming warriors really they're like uh you get a sense that they're like vikings a little bit um but that they, they uh they are in these boats that are actually like airboats it's uh, airships i guess but they don't look like that and um and there are fortresses that float on rocks um it's not quite like uh, laputa the floating island in that there is actually um you know i don't think there's an equivalent to dry land certainly not as far as we've seen uh laputa the floating island is about stuff that's going on above our heads uh, and we don't know anything about the world uh, under the clouds in this comic it's also not um is it wild blue yonder or or something i think that came out from idw a couple of years ago uh that was gorgeous but that seemed to be set in a uh, almost a post-apocalypse this none of the technology they have really looks like ours it's more like um 
the sort of thing you'd see from Brandon Graham or it's that sort of a world. It's very weird. They're all human and they have recognizably human behaviors um, and societies, but uh, it's uh, just a weird, weird setting. It's really cool though. Uh, there's lots of, uh, cool vehicles in it that, uh, that fly around and cool locations. Um, and, uh, a real sense of stakes because early on, uh, I, I think Abba, the, uh, the girl, um, who's, who lost her mother is really our focal point character. She's got a little bit of narration at the beginning. She loses her hand in that initial attack. Uh, and I think, uh, I don't think it's an accident. This is called extremity. Um, in fact, throughout this first issue, that's a theme. People are punished by, um, the threat of, of and the action of uh, losing limbs. Um, and it's a really kinetic and frenetic first issue. Uh, there's that flashback and that's really uh, that I mentioned and that's really violent. We get a sense of, uh, of, uh, how, the uh, this clan works uh, abba's uh the gifted and brave one out of her and her brother rollo is expected to take over the clan uh, but it's clear that abba is the favorite uh, rollo is not as fierce and brave as abba is the siblings still have a very close connection though and the other thing about this uh this uh comic is I think I've seen Darren Warren Johnson's work before. It's really, um, uh, it's really detailed and the technology all looks really good and the characters have this, uh, they're sort of manga infused, except it isn't really manga infused. It's very specific. It's, uh, it seems really, really heavily inspired by Katsuhiro Otomo. Um, and, uh, even, even as far as some of the coloring, uh, the, the vehicles themselves, uh, ABBA has a small, uh, has a small sort of skyship thing. Um, and it's, it's like a motorbike. It's like a hover bike. Uh, but, um, even the color scheme on it and on her really, really evokes Akira, um, or, or at least Tetsuo at the beginning of Akira. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, the faces look similar to, uh, Atomo's work. Um, they're kind of all very small, very realistic, but very small. Um, the violence in this comic is really, really good. I think I've uh, maybe talked a little bit about this before, but I really like it in, in these, uh, uh, these action comics where the art's quite scratchy, but then when, uh, when somebody's getting attacked, the lines are really clean, uh, on, uh, on things being cleaved off them and, and stuff like that. Um, you don't necessarily know it's going to turn out to be as violent a comic as it is, but it's very, it seems that things are very warlike. There's a lot of rivalry between these clans. Um, and, uh, all in all, it's pretty great first issue. Uh, I was talking to some friends on Facebook earlier on about how frustrating it is to see, um, three dimensional like fights that can happen in three dimensions and 360 degrees happening on on a certain plane the uh even though everything's happening in the air and all of these objects are flying around each other 
they still kind of attack very front on everything everything there happens in in two like very two dimensionally or on one uh, particular plane but it means we've got this instantly recognizable sort of battle as well we've got these two hordes fighting each other they're not necessarily uh, really elegant in their strategy uh, the only other thing that's a little bit strange is um uh, we're given a little bit of uh 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 exposition that says that that tells us that Abba's uh vehicle is cuz she's integral to the to the main mission in this story um in this first issue anyway and we're told that her vehicle has um has been like engineered to be a little bit quieter but there is a bit where she sort of sneaks in and she must be less than a meter away from these two guards and and we're asked to believe that they didn't even see her out of their peripheral vision or anything like that but to be honest that's kind of a hollywood thing and um it's something that always bugs me but clearly doesn't bother people all that much because it keeps happening um and there aren't riots in the street about it not not about that anyway so extremity is a really cool comic really really liked it um my favorite comic this week though and i don't know if it actually came out this week is from vault vault press or vault comics now that's v-a-u-l-t in case i'm pronouncing it hilariously badly the way i am known to do uh, and this comic is called heathen it's uh, number one and it's by natasha alterique Alterici or Alterici and it's uh, the story of a young woman it's it's steeped in uh, Viking well Norse mythology basically um, and it's set it's set during that particular period uh, a young woman called Adis is a Viking but she's been outcast because of a, a relationship a sort of romantic uh, scene between her and her um and one of her female friends. And it's clear that um, that's frowned on to the point where she would either have been put to death or forced to marry uh, someone, although I suspect that she probably would have been forced to marry someone anyway. Um, she uh, is lucky in that her father uh, couldn't go through with killing her, so she's been allowed to escape. Uh, but alongside learning about Adis, um, who has her horse that she absolutely loves called Saga, um, we also are told about the myth of the uh, Valkyrie Brynhild, who, um, whose job it was to follow uh, and do the bidding of Odin, but who thwarted him one too many times and has been cursed to... Um, stay on this mountain on earth uh, until uh, someone honourable enough or, or strong enough comes and rescues her and it seems apparent really really quickly that Adis has decided that's what she's going to do um, there's great characterization in this first issue the visual storytelling is absolutely wonderful uh, but the real um, standout thing about it is that it's it's rendered in this uh, beautiful uh, really all, all really expressionistic sort of watercolor and ink wash style uh, that reminds me of um the the moments in uh, the comics of Kent Williams and John J Muth that I fell in love with in the late 80s and early 90s 
uh, not the uh, the really um, cleanly, almost photorealistic rendering that they do in some of their comics, but the sort of scratchy, expressionistic, where the the figure work is so uh, good that you can tell what's going on with bodies in motion, even though they are only made up of a few lines of uh, of brush strokes. And it's just a gorgeous looking book. Natasha Alterici's, um art is absolutely amazing and it would be easy for a, a lot of nuance nuance and character and story to be lost in that for the action sequences to look gorgeous um and the exposition pages to be rendered beautifully but for the actual in the moment storytelling um you know and conversations being between characters to be lost but all of the facial expressions when you when uh, when it's required that you see two characters talking to each other all of the facial uh, um expressions are perfect the character designs are really really good this is a gorgeous looking comic and um and it's one of those things that it's difficult to imagine it being anything other than a comic it's just so good extremity is um you know, it's easier to imagine it as an animation or a blockbuster movie, but, but this is just beautiful. There, you could see it animated, but it's just, uh, exquisite on the page. It's so nice. So that's what I read this week. Um, Jane read the follow up book to the motherless oven that she talked about on a previous episode. And, uh, and, um, we do get to talk about that eventually. But there's a whole bunch of us catching up on films and stuff like that. So, um, I'll speak to you again, just the two of us, listener, afterwards. It takes effort and no one really wants to do that. <laughs> yeah, they want to go and true. they want to go and sit in meetings instead. Well, they want to go and say, I'm so, this is why I'm so important. Let's not bother about investing in other people and making sure their lives are good and that they can have a good working environment and they can promote be promoted and does anyone in any workplace ever see one of those investors in people placards and not go and roll their eyes <laughs> yeah i don't know what it means by investing um i've been amy was away so i watched some films Ooh. and um you and i have a tendency to talk far too much about films but i think we can probably talk about these a little bit it's fine okay um and and I want to know if you've seen them. So I uh, watched Old Boy, the original version of yeah, Old Boy. That I is... had never seen it before. Ah, so when I first, because I, I only watched Old Boy for the first time probably six or seven years ago. Um, it's part of a vengeance. Oh, no. but It's I part think... of the trilogy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's part I of the found out about that. Yeah, because I actually, I think I'd watched one of the films and didn't realize it was part of the trilogy. Um, but Old Boy... Actually, Mr. Mr. John, who's on the Mr. John, who's on the podcast with Mr. John Mr. Shepherd. John. Yeah. We're calling him that now. Yeah, Mr. John Shepherd. Are we dropping the mob and just calling everyone very formal versions? Oh, of I don't the know. Name? I just, Mr. John Shepherd, Mr. James. I was going to say Mr. Shepherd, but I wasn't sure if I should say his surname, and then I realised I could, but I'd already said John. I was going to say his full name. Yeah. Um, he talked about Old Boy to me before that, but I hadn't really, I hadn't p- picked up on it as a thing to watch he just mentioned um a famous scene in the film i don't want to spoil it in case someone mm. hasn't watched it um but then i watched it as part of the trilogy because i found out it was a trilogy so i started watching trilogy and old boy went straight into my top five films it oh. is a i love that film and i know that sounds awful if you've watched the film you know the subject content 
I don't love that. I it's just so masterfully put together and well scripted, well acted. And there's some incredible fight scenes in it as well. So, sorry, I've trumped all over I didn't know it. I did not know anything about it at all. Uh, and, don't watch the um, remake, by the way. Just don't bother. I, um, well, I kind of want to see. I'm interested in oh, okay. how they, and how people curiosity. remake things. Yeah. But it's like, um, but I, it might take a while. It took me fucking ages to watch this one. I was talking to a colleague at work and we got onto that we both quite, quite like I haven't seen many, but that we we got onto that he quite likes Korean films, and I can't remember. I think I was talking about uh, Train to Busan with him, and he hadn't heard of that. So that's the Korean zombie mm, flick, mm-hmm. um, and and he suggested Old Boy. He said about Old Boy, and I said, "Oh, I haven't seen it." And he said, um, "Oh, I've got it on DVD. I'll lend you it." And I was like, "Oh, I mean, okay, I can probably get hold of it." <laughs> and he was like, "Uh, uh." No, I, I've got it. And he, um, and the next day he brought it in and it was there on my desk. And I was like, well, not only has he said he's going to lend me something and he's actually brought it, which is like nobody ever does that. Most people forget. But also it was, it was really weird being lending, being lent something on a DVD because, you know, obviously yeah, when just... you've got Amazon Prime and you've got like all of these different yeah. things, you can hire a, 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 a yeah. thing for a pound fifty off the internet and watch it. It's really easy to find things. On, on your media system through legal means. So, <laughs> so it was quite not bad. He gave me the DVD. And the funny thing is, actually, having joked about that, um, I, when I, when money is a bit better, I might actually pick it up on DVD because it's one of those films where I actually would quite like, although I never get around to watching director's commentaries or anything, mm-hmm. I would quite like to know more about it. Yeah. And you can find those things at, via streaming services and stuff. But it's more difficult. Yeah. So I might, I might actually try and pick it up at some point. Yeah. Um, it was also really nice seeing one of those Tartan video things as well. Cause I, I have, you know, I bought loads of them back when, um, back when I worked at Forbidden Planet yeah. and stuff. So it was nice. It was nice seeing all that old packaging. Um, and it was weird watching it because normally, like I saw Star Wars when Star Wars came. Out. I didn't see it at the cinema, but what I mean is I saw it in its cultural context. Blade Runner I saw roughly around when it came out, the thing and stuff like that. So a lot of these big movie, a lot of these big things that end up influencing loads of other things, yeah. I've seen them when they, when the first thing came out. Yeah. So it, Old Boy was a bit diluted for me, a little bit, because there are sequences in it that have been so completely They've so completely inspired other movies, and oh yeah, like watching a lot of Old Boy after watching The Raid, yeah. for example. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had I watched Old Boy before I saw The Raid, or definitely before I saw the first season, one of the best moments in Daredevil season one um, is is yeah. almost a straight yeah. lift yeah, yeah, from yeah. Old Boy, yeah. which I which I didn't realise. I probably still would have enjoyed it in Daredevil. It doesn't, yeah, I mean, but it's it was not like, a bad thing at all. Absolutely not a bad thing. But I'd already seen I'd already seen a version of it filmed in high definition yeah. from the last couple of years, basically, and, yeah. and like with people who'd been working that over in their heads. Um, so a lot of that stuff, it wasn't lost on me, but it was like, it was more, oh, oh, I see where they got that from, rather than, this is, I've never fucking seen this before in my yeah. life. So that was, and there were, and there was loads of, there was loads of transgressive stuff in there that was quite, um, uh, weird and cool to watch because I'd heard people talk about it being shocking. And that isn't normally the 
I'm not like you and your life partner. I don't watch the Lars von Trier films. So for me, most of the time when people say things are shocking, I'm like, well, that wasn't that shocking. Because I don't watch the stuff that's really shocking. Yeah, that's probably the worst thing. (laughs) I am... and I mean, a lot of it, old boy people talk about it being violent, but it's more, it's more that it's really nihilistic. Like, I don't just mean without spoiling how it finishes. Just the whole film is very, like, he's very desperate. It's not like a normal revenge flick where the guy is, I keep saying flick, like I'm a really cool person talking about films. Um, it's not like a normal revenge movie where it's very clear what the person wants and mm. they're very angry the whole way mm. through. The guy just looks so depressed yeah, it's through just, so much of it. Everything's yeah. been taken away from him except trying to work out why he was there yeah, in the exactly. first place. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. That's, that's, that, I think that's what I... That's the thing I really enjoyed about it is you don't know. And even when you rewatch it and you're like, he still doesn't know. He still doesn't know why this happened to him. And you sort of think, oh, imagine if I'd been captured and incarcerated in this room for... Mm. 20 odd years this isn't a spoiler too much because you find this out that's right, right at the beginning yeah. um, and you're like what on earth what heinous act have I ever d-? like you'd be thinking did I accidentally murder somebody or something mm. you know you'd, you'd that's a scale of what you're thinking on and or well, does someone hate you that much mm. to do that and why would they hate you that much it's just you're right he's so depressed and desperate to find out why it happened and also his art you know he has no life he just yeah. barely exists and well and you don't really know a lot about him no. so you don't know if he was a criminal you don't really know anything about him except that like he was except that he's a fucking state at the beginning yeah. of the film yeah no, that's true i mean so, i make some assumptions he looks like he's a company man yeah. who has a family who he's probably a little bit estranged from so, so he could be he's probably not a very good husband yeah like you know you don't yeah. think he's the he's probably not the best of guys but you don't see him doing something so horrific that you could understand somebody would want to and even if you saw him do something and then him being incarcerated you still want to know well who who did it who who did you who did you upset that kind of thing but I, I just really enjoyed the film it was really good because it was nothing like I was expecting it yeah. to be I think that was probably it same here I think that's the thing um, I will tell you an anecdote. I do not believe that I heard from a colleague today. I do not believe it as a spoiler, and I will tr- I will endeavour not to make it a spoiler. Um, but if you haven't li- listener, if you haven't uh, uh, um, seen the film, you might not want to hear this. But Jane, obviously, will have to not react too much to this anecdote. But I really want to tell you it. Okay. Okay. So my colleague, who is a lady. Mm-hmm. Um, is quite into these sorts of films. Yeah. And, um, and she hadn't seen Old Boy, but loads of her friends, she was quite a bit, when it came out, so quite a while ago, I think she was at university, um, lots of her friends had told her it was really, really good, um, that it was a bit twisty and turny, uh, and that it was quite violent, and that she'd probably really like it. So she put it on the list of things in her head that she should really watch that people said was really, really good. Um, but didn't get around to watching it. And then when Christmas came around and she was quite young, like she was, I think she was at university. Yeah. So, um, Christmas came around. <clears throat> she was trying to work out a present, uh, a present to get for her dad. And she thought, well, this is, this is, people have said this is quite a good film. He likes the same sort of stuff that I like. So I'll, I'll buy him it. And, um, and, so she got it for her dad and then a little while later she was watching it and 
r- realised that. I mean, maybe it was too violent or something. But let's let's say maybe she thought that it wouldn't necessarily be the sort of film that she should have got for her dad. Um, luckily, she saw it a few years later uh, to to spare how cringy this could get. She saw it on the side a, a, a while later and it hadn't been taken out of the cellophane or anything. So I think it's okay. But I mean, can you imagine watching oh, that film in those circumstances? Yeah, I know. Like... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've not said any names, so no. if if you're my colleague, and I know I didn't get permission to tell that story, but like anyway, um, so uh, the other thing I saw this week because I've been watching films because Amy's been away, um, I had a choice between Suicide Squad and Doctor Strange, oh, and I asked the internet about those two, and what I really registered was. Have you seen either of them? I've seen Suicide Squad. I own it on the Blu-ray. That's how much I enjoyed that. Yeah. Okay, okay, good. So this probably won't be like a really awkward conversation. So that's good. So, um, the thing I really noted, I, I figured I'd probably, I'd probably uh, like think both films were okay, but like I just wanted to kill some time. Mm. I clearly haven't made an effort to watch either of them before now. So, um, I kind of asked the internet what the internet thought, but wasn't really surprised. The internet didn't come up with anything new. Uh, basically said, oh, Doctor Strange is great and, and like Suicide Squad is bleh. Um, it's the worst film I've ever put in my eyes and stuff like that. And I was like, well, I've already heard that. And frankly, that doesn't dissuade me because I know what sorts of films people say that about. I don't really mm. feel. But the thing that I really registered about it, I really realized about it was I heard people say that Doctor Strange was good for about five seconds after it came out. And then everyone stopped talking about it. I completely forgot it came out and yeah, then saw yeah. it. I think I saw it on Amazon Prime. I was like, oh, that's on Amazon Prime. I think Prime the now. people who saw it enjoyed it, it but then completely forgot. And that's kind of how I felt about the last few Marvel movies I've watched. I'm not going to mm. make it a Marvel and DC film thing. Um, but Suicide Squad, I had heard people get really emotional about that film to the negative. Yeah. But even those people, when they said, but this thing worked really well in it or that thing worked really well in it, they're still talking about that oh, months later. I see okay. your and I was like, there. So I have a choice between watching a film that I might forget about by tomorrow morning or watching a film that, that at least got people fired up one way or another. Mm. I don't particularly want to be, I don't agree mm. with hate watching or anything like that really. But like, um, and so I watched Suicide Squad and as I thought, like, it really makes an, it, it, it it's at least trying to do something I really interesting. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I liked, um, oh, I really liked the manic energy of it all as yeah. well. It was people, I saw a lot of complaints, a lot of complaints about it. I saw a lot of complaints about the pacing, but I felt the pacing was a reflection of the characters and how they are and they're chaotic mm. and they don't live by the pacing rules and, and they also had lots of cram in, and mm. I know you can't use the excuse that they want to make profits by putting as many characters in and stuff like that. But I think they did really well. Who was it? Um, David Ayer made it, and he he wrote it and directed it. Yeah, he, for what he probably had to deal with from the studio, mm. he did a really cracking job. I think it got yeah, I think it it, I, it got down. chopped together yeah, quite a lot, and maybe the, cut down, but also chopped around quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, there was. I mean, there was the whole controversy about needing more of the Joker in it and stuff like that, mm. and. I mean, Jared, uh, that's a divisive thing. People liking Jared Leto's Joker. I thought he was brilliant. I really did. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Heath Ledger because he's not Heath Ledger. You shouldn't compare people. 
<laughs> well, and it's um, he's he's playing it in a different way. He's playing it his way. It's a different, probably a different genre. Uh, not different genre. Sorry, a different period in time for the Suicide Squad's Joker. And well, what I th- what I felt about that was. That, probably like, raging, like people were, people were just raging and shouting at you, well, stupid girl. What do you know about it? The thing, the thing that I thought about it was because obviously I'd heard all of that. It's impossible to watch the film without yeah the having all this in your head. And um, I and I hadn't really seen any of the tra- I hadn't seen any trailers. I kind of knew what the characters looked like, but I hadn't seen anything in advance because, frankly, I'm sick of those conversations. Like, if I want to be around people I like on the internet. I'm going to ha- hear those conversations about about trailers and I'd rather not have an opinion so I don't have to get involved. Yeah. Um so I didn't really know much about it but I knew what he looked like and everything. But the thing that struck me about it was that he was perfect for the role if you bear in mind that this version of the Joker is only in the film as support to Harley Quinn. Yeah. That's he's not a main character no. in it. I mean he's He's like on the roster, but like if if you think about the film as being about these three or four core characters, and then there's the main team. Yeah, the Joker's really just a supporting character yeah. in Harley's story. Yes, and from that perspective, he doesn't pull. He is weird, but he's basically just supposed to. It, that version of him is just supposed to be a weird hoodlum who happens to be the like scary boyfriend of yeah the main girl in yeah. the film, the main woman in the film. So um. And he works. He works fine as that. He doesn't need to be particularly nuanced, although he he does do a really good job. But all he really needs to be is a psychopathic, yeah, gangster. That's what he is. Yeah, which is what he does, and that's that's what I mean. It just you can't compare him to Heath. He's interpreting the Joker in his way in a and it's from a different storyline mm. as a different type of Joker. And you're right, as a support for Harley Quinn, it's not about Joker. He's mm. still a main thing, just like Batman is in that universe. They're the two main parts of that universe. Mm. But in this sub universe. Yeah. In <laughs> this version in this story in this, in this version, story like, yeah. of this version, they're not and and there might be something where he, well, they're talking about there's going to be Harley Quinn film, which I am absolutely so happy they've decided to do that. Have a, well, she's brilliant. I, yeah, I think she's um, really good. Margot, I know everyone said that, but Margot she's like really, really Robbie good. Is fantastic. She's I really like her as an actress. She just she does her roles so well, and she was brilliant in that. She she captured everything I felt embodied Harley Quinn's character fantastically she did really she did a really good interpretation and i think a lot of people criticized it for being sexist and mm. all about the male gaze i don't think that's at all harley quinn is about owning her sexuality is her sexuality she decides what she wants to do with it and the rest of you can go fuck yourself well it's funny <laughs> it's her opinion obviously not me I mean, but because they they get away with they get away with a lot of they get away with a lot of stuff because these are supposed to be criminals and it's supposed to be so there's quite a lot of weird race stuff in there as well there's, yeah there's I mean but um, yeah but the the thing that bothered me the one thing I really didn't like about it was the outside of her Viola Davis is good in the scenes that she's given but she doesn't really she's not in it that much considering how important her character is how important I can't remember her name um, but how important she is. She gets to be the political, like the really political mercenary boss, but she's not in it that much. The Enchantress is fine for what she yeah. does, and the effects 
like, and I, I haven't seen anything that looks that different and cool as the effect on her and her brother. Oh, yeah. In that was any really of these good. superhero that was really movies, good. really. Yeah, the um, whole, yeah, that was. They actually had a, an art, art direction that they yeah. were going it with, in with that. The only other film that even is remotely close to, like, being that individual is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and even that is basically Avengers in Space. So it's sort of, but I got really, I, I got the two, the two problems I had with the film were that clearly they had filmed it with the intention of it being quite violent. Um, and then at the last minute flinched a little bit. So there are loads of like impacts and bits where people are shot or whatever, where it, it almost feels like, and I think people picked up on this. But maybe didn't necessarily register that's what they were picking up on because people talk about the editing being a bit yeah. bad. And like, I, the, the one thing I really noticed was that there were loads of moments where I at least expected a sound effect or something, but actually it cuts away to the next thing when you'd have, um, the first time I noticed is when Deadshot's killing someone. He's pulling, he's pulling off his big, uh, yeah. elaborate assassination, which you'd know yeah. that he's going to in that film. So I don't think it's a spoiler. And at the moment of impact, there isn't even a sound effect or anything like that. It literally just cuts to the next thing. And everything else about the film is so chaotic, but that keeps happening. Like there are knife impacts and stuff that yeah. do that, which is, which I get. I, I would like to see a director's cut of it or a, yeah. a cut of it that's like maybe got a higher rating. Maybe even the Blu-rays like that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but- no. I'm trying to think now. I don't know. I don't think the Blu-ray, there might be, I might have another. There might be another version on the Blu-ray. I've only watched rewatched the film oh, right. once or twice um, since, but it was this, I saw it in the cinema, so it's the same as it was yeah. in the theatrical release. But I feel like there might be I feel like there might be a slightly grimier version of it. Yeah, I hope um, so because I really felt that's that's what I thought. And I guess it's it's the whole thing about America not wanting R-rated films. That's the problem. Even though Deadpool did so well, yeah. they're still scared of doing the R-rated. But Suicide Squad's perfect. It's like they're you know. They aren't your clean spandex. Well, and and that's the thing that creeps me out a little bit is there's so much of that weird nihilistic them being a bit racist with each other and then being a bit this and a bit that with each other, but then they flinch away from yeah, other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, shows what, you know, wow, that's just America's. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> but the, um, the other thing is, like, I think that, Will Smith probably felt like he wanted to do this because maybe he liked the idea of the character and um and it's by his standards it is quite a grim and and rugged role but his bits are still very Will Smith movie yeah. and they don't and and when everything else in it is so chaotic and I don't, I don't think it was necessarily a choice. I don't think they made a decision to have his bits be calm or anything. His situation is really mundane. And actually, it really creeped me out because with everything that's going on with Harley and that all being really positive, Deadshot's main emotional hook is he wants to see more of his daughter, but it's crazy bitch of an oh, ex, yeah, blah, blah, that. blah. But you never, he keeps talking about how crazy a bitch she is. Yeah. You never, she never, there's no, never any, you never see her doing that. Yeah. You never even see her. And then you see the daughter and the daughter's dressed up, dressed up fine. You see their apartment. Whoever this crazy bitch yeah, of a woman is, there's... she seems to be providing a life for his daughter. Yeah. There were things, yeah, there were definitely things. And I was like, that's a bit dodgy. It and, was creepy. Yeah. It was like when a guy says to you, oh, and I, I appreciate that I have probably done this about an ex, a particular ex of mine, but like, 
that's the standard thing is guys a, a woman always becomes crazy once the relationship is but collapsed. not seeing it though considering you saw so much about they did do a lot especially on Deadshot like you said it was quite a mundane background story he had but same with Harley and the same with Enchantress Enchantress um, you got to see their background and how they what happened to them happened to them and you know Harley's and Joker's about their you know love affair that was not one-sided then one-sided then both mm. you know it's it's really messed up and anyone who ever tries to identify that they're Harley Quinn and Joker just no that's no, weird no, 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 no. that's weird but it's, it's completely it's messed up and it, but it's fully realised yeah but it feels it? yeah it is fully realised it is fully realised they're just two people madly in love with each other in their way that mm. you wouldn't probably be in love with somebody because it's too extreme but they are that's how they are and that's their personalities and mental health conditions everything else has, has, has made them that way but with and that's what you saw the Joker so you understood Harley more and you understood the Joker more because you saw them both mm-hmm. but with Deadshot you didn't see his wife you didn't see anything bad happen same with um Oh gosh, what's his name? The guy with the fire. Yeah, that was yeah. Got, his, his situation. But you saw a lot about his family background and that and his tragedies and his relationships and things. But you didn't see Will Smith's wife. No, the but more even, you see, actually, the more it doesn't make any sense. Why don't you see his wife? Well, even it's he all was, about it's all about him telling you what happened. Whereas yeah. with Harley, you see hers. But even I even felt that way a little bit about Diablo. I think that's his name. Yeah, that's El right. Diablo. Yeah, Diablo. Because even that is very, his wife's there, but just literally as a character in a flat. She's not, the joke is a character. Yeah, to be fair, she, she's the thing people hate, the thing, she's a woman to move the story along. Yeah. Yeah, and she dies. So, yeah, it, it does suffer from, like, it's not perfect, but it's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. And I think they should have kept it more on Harley Quinn, but they had Will Smith. And that's yeah. what I think. I think that was one of the decisions that made the film that would the film suffered for. As made well. it a bit lumpy. It made it a little bit odd. Didn't but there have was so yeah. much good stuff. There was, yeah. and but I felt a lot less Deadshot, a lot more Harley, mm. and more a def- and like more of the other characters as well. Cause some of them you. Well, yeah, the inter- I mean, the thing about it is, we kept yeah the the Enchantress thing actually is you're told about how important her relationship with. Uh, the main guy flag is but considering that's the main mission they're on you don't get you don't see that much no of you it. don't you don't so it's sort of um but with yeah with deadshot you didn't need to have anything more than he's deadshot he has motives and not even seeing it but again not just seeing, he wants to see his daughter would have been yeah, fine wouldn't that's it? it just like oh we're divorced that happens i want to see my daughter more but i'm a criminal and do things which means i can't see my daughter because i'm an idiot just just you know yeah <laughs> but because it's will smith we know that he had to demand all his screen presence and probably got paid the most and had to be the top build and everything he probably else. still had to be kind of likable exactly yeah, yeah he couldn't be full-on criminal couldn't go full so yeah psychic, the, re- the reason things didn't work out with his ex are because she was a lunatic yeah that, i mean he wasn't the one dressed as an alligator was he let's face it no. you know <laughs> it's just no he still has to be will smith you're right but yeah, it has its flaws. But it definitely was not as bad as ever made out to be. It, I really enjoyed it. I felt the manic energy of the film fitted really well. Yeah, I liked that. And the that, pacing though. worked. And like the production design was lush. Well, especially when pe- if people are if the same people are then going on to say that they love the Avengers Ensemble films, they're just 
noise. They're not the last one. I fell asleep through. It was just like, who's this? What's going on here? How did that get in the air? I had a lot you of trouble. With, I've had a lot of trouble with the last few Marvel. But it's just. But I don't think. Oh, I don't go declare it the worst thing ever because it no. isn't. It just sags. It's just not interesting. We'll need to change it up. But the Captain America films have been brilliant. Well, you see, I think of the last Captain, the most recent Captain America film, as the third Avenger film, yeah, the Civil War, and I am. Um, I there were bits in it I quite liked. I got really angry watching it. it Part of the reason great. I got angry watching it was because I'd had a lot of people say this film is really good and oh. this film that you like is really shit. Oh. And it was impossible for me not to compare the two. Yeah, of them to each other. I mean the third one's not definitely not anywhere as near as good as the, the first second one's two. great. Yeah, yeah, and the second one's really good. Chris uh. Evans is so like, and that's the other thing is that it's difficult because like I like all of the people who are in the Marvel films. Well, no, that's not true. Benedict Cumberbatch, I, the other reason I didn't watch Doctor Strange is I find it difficult to imagine wanting to watch him for that long. So yeah. it's sort of, um, I'm not a fan. I don't like him. Him and Stephen Fry can just, never mind. Okay, so those are the wanna, two films you talked about. Yeah, did you, have you done any, have you had any? Well, we talked, you watched Suicide Squad. I don't think I knew you'd watch that. So. Oh, yeah, I watched it when it came out. I really enjoyed it. I, when I saw the trailer, I was hooked. Hmm. Just... Um, I saw Margot Robbie in The Wolf of Wall Street and she's really good in that and something else I saw her in as well. She's a really good actress and I just thought, wow, she's going to be amazing as Harley. She was. <laughs> so. You know what, as well, it made me want to watch... It made me want to watch Tank Girl again and that's a silly film. I don't think that was a very I good seen, film. No, I haven't seen Tank Girl. But she um, she looks quite a lot like Laurie Petty in that film and she, um, and she even talks a bit like her oh. and it... I don't know if there's a. I don't know if there's any connective tissue between the mm. two, whether she'd seen it or not, yeah. or whether that was intentional. But actually, there were a few times watching it where I thought, because Tank Girl overall is another film that overall is the. It isn't. It isn't perfect by any means, and I know there's no such thing as a perfect film. But I mean, it's even you can tell what the problems are with it while you're watching it. It is clunky. It doesn't necessarily hold together. But that weird manic energy um, is there. The uh, several attempts to do something visually interesting rather than just filming stuff like flat is all there. And and the tank girl, tank girl, and um, uh, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn have a really similar delivery and sort of manic energy yeah. to each other. Also, that film's got Naomi Watts, and I love oh, Naomi I Watts. I love Naomi Watts as well. She can do no wrong in my eyes. The other thing, though, and I appreciate that at least one of our friends um, disagrees with me on this, and you might as well, but I really struggled with the soundtrack. And Tank Girl has an amazing soundtrack, and it felt like oh, they were trying to do something similar. But, yeah, I, I just uh, I found that the choices I really liked sort it. of... I thought it was okay. Um, I liked the main song... That, um, Which was the main song? I can't remember. It's just like, it's nice. It's a good song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really struggling now. I'm not going to sing it. I um, It got to the the, the bit, um, maybe, I think what it is is the choices seemed really sort of like, on the nose, which I know that some people really liked yeah, about it. Yeah, I think it. That's, that might be why I liked but, it. Um, but for me, it was sort of the the bit where they're all tooling up and uh, Guess Who's Back by Eminem came on. 
Oh the yeah, gases back. Well, no, I that's like, no. I gotta be fair. I quite like the cheesiness of the soundtrack yeah. being. I think that might really be it. Nice. I think other people. I think people quite enjoyed that cheesiness, but for this film, that kind of bugged me a little bit. I, but like, yeah. well, that's okay. I don't know what they could have done that would have been better. Was it was it worse than having Alleluia play while two people having sex on a on a plane on a on a device? Air device. Air device. I don't know what is an it. Air, an airship thing. Yeah, is I know it? what you mean. Because I thought that was a joke, but apparently they're being deadly serious. No, it is a. Well, I don't know. In the in the comic Watchmen, that whole sequence is a joke. I thought it was meant. Oh, to be I a thought joke. it was meant to be a joke. Yeah. Well, it's oh. it's just it's just an over the top melodramatic yeah, yeah. sex scene. I think. So I think. People getting angry about that. I was like, it's just a joke. I think Who the hell has sex? <laughs> <laughs> and and have, choosing that particular song really bumps it up, doesn't it? Yeah, it was very cheesy. I really like Watchmen, though. I lo- I, I really. I mean, it. I love Zack Snyder, so maybe yeah. a lot of people probably think that sort of means we shouldn't have an opinion about oh, films. But okay. <laughs> oh, what's the other? Um, oh, there's something else going to work. It's gone. Just have go. you watched Legion? Did you watch Legion? Oh yes, I've I only seen the first Legion. episode, but the first, the first episode is good. Watch the second one now. Um, the first one is a brilliant episode. It's, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. I keep flinching away from watching more of it because I can't understand how they'll maintain that from the first episode. So I'm just like, well, this is, there's going to be a point at which this becomes stupid. <laughs> yeah, so. um, yeah, I was a bit worried about that because it was a very, it was so well put together. I was like, how are you going to top that? And I'm expecting there to be some sag somewhere, but it, I've really enjoyed it. I like the idea of it. Um, have you been watching The Walking Dead? We haven't that? seen the most recent episode. Yeah. Okay. I am. Um, Every big, bold choice they make in that show, and they don't make a lot of choices on The Walking Dead, but every big, bold choice they make on that, I end up really liking. So Ezekiel with his lion. Fucking loved him from the minute he turned up. Oh, yeah. No tiger. <laughs> yeah. I fucking loved him from the minute he turned up because it was like, well, this is nonsense. And I, at least the characters respond to it like it's nonsense. Oh, yeah, cause wouldn't, but wouldn't you? If you're the end of the world, like, I am now queen of all of this. Yeah. This is all my stuff. And me, and me watching it uh, as a viewer watching it, I was like, so this guy's got a tiger. <laughs> I am totally down for this. <laughs> the, this well this show has not done anything this this like ballsy in a real time I quite like it yeah, I, I, was, I still it. like it it's very slow oh, but no, I'm I'm, I was used to that three seasons ago so I'm fine with it I remember what I was going to say now so the one the other reason I really like Suicide Squad is because I had my funniest moment of 2016 my personal no one else probably found it funny mm. of 2016 when we went to go see it in the cinema and they were showing trailers for other films at the beginning and there was a film with Blake Lively where she's just in the water and there's a shark and she's being sexy and the shark's like hey sexy that kind of thing mm. she's a surfer um, and uh, there's a quite a, the trailer showed quite a dramatic scene of the shark coming out the screen or something like that. And then this guy, this guy in the audience of the cinema ran, ran away. Really? And I, and I went, it's not real. Oh. Like that. And no one else found it funny. And I thought I was hilarious. So that was my funny moment. I think that's funny. Yeah. I mean, maybe you, you, it might be the way you're telling it, but yeah, no, maybe. that is funny. <laughs> um, actually, the other thing I wanted to say about Suicide Squad is, that that's the first Jay, uh, Jai Courtney uh, performance, and he's been doing shitloads of Hollywood movies. Hollywood movie. He, he's been doing shitloads of movies since Spartacus, the TV series. Brits, we loved him in Spartacus, and he's become a joke in American movies. They keep putting him in these serious roles where he doesn't have to, not serious, but like where he's the lead heavy, 
and he's not he's supposed to be scary he's not supposed to be um like I don't I don't know it's impossible to take him seriously in that because he's quite wooden in those roles he's also um apparently uh Die Hard's son in Die Hard the one I haven't watched Oh the one you probably shouldn't Yeah so um and and so he hasn't had a particularly I knew which Die Hard you hadn't watched Yeah <laughs> I think um I think the I think people who only know him from his roles in Hollywood rightly think he's stu- he's ridiculous but he's he's lovely in Sparkus. The whole of Sparkus is it's deliberately melodramatic, and he's in the first season. He's one of the the characters you really grow to love, even yeah. though these are all these are all like violent men. There's loads of bromance stuff around him, and he plays. Um, is it the one with the boomerangs? He's not called Captain Boomerang, is he? What's he called? I think he's called Captain Boomerang. Captain Boomerang. He plays that character, yeah. and he's like such a sleazeball. But he's he gets loads of the really funny li- like he gets loads of funny lines mm. and he's like really convincingly sli- like sleazy. Yeah, it's the first role where that I've seen him in where I've thought that's the guy I really like from Spartacus, <laughs> which was which was is quite is quite fun. I just think that everyone in it seemed to have fun, which like have fun doing what they were doing, yeah. with the possible exception of Jared Leto from the impression we get since. But it's like um, oh, but. Um, did he say he didn't like doing No, I think he just went full method, didn't he? Oh, okay. So it's sort of, oh. and I think he annoyed a few of the few of the rest of the cast because of it. But oh, I need to read up on this. I yeah. love gossip like that. But um, so yeah, there's that, and there's Legion. Legion also man from telly doing a really amazing job. He's the guy from Downton Abbey. Someone told me I haven't watched Downton Abbey. I didn't know he was English. So I was like, yes, another one passes for an American. A few people, uh, a few people were sharing a picture of him from Downton Abbey and saying, he looks very different. Well, and saying he looks really different. He does look really different, but saying, oh, he looks, he looks so chubby. And I'm like, no, he just, he just looks normal. It's like in, he went to Hollywood and clearly the first role he did in Hollywood was he was in a film called The Guest and he's supposed to be a Marine, like a, a scary ex soldier. And so he clearly like, he just went to Hollywood and started going to the gym all the time. He wasn't actually fat in Downton Abbey. Oh, he just looks... He was actually quite dapper in Downton Abbey yeah. and he wore big overcoats. And then, but he became Hollywood. Uh, and so he's really slim and sort of buff and muscular. stuff like that. But I like his face. Um, we watched Ex Machina the other day. That was really good. Is it good? Good, yeah. Is it, is it good in a way that differentiates it from other films about an, an, a, an artificial person who's a woman and the maker of the, and there's a sexual component though? Is there a sexual component? I feel like I've seen that film though. Uh, Have I seen that film before? I'd say there's a sexual component, but not in the way you're thinking of. Right, I probably need to watch it. Um, more in a... How do you describe it? It's got what's-his-name in, the sexy man. Um, don't tell me. Don't tell me, because I'm going to get it. I'll get it. Hang on, don't tell me. Because I got... I do like him a lot. Um, ah! Force <laughs> Awakens, man. Yeah, I know. And he was in uh, Show Me Who. He was in the film Madonna made We... He made we. He no, he was in it. a film that Madonna made called We. Oh, W E E. Yeah, no W E. Right. Okay. Not not urine. <laughs> it's not called urine American. We here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oscar Isaacs. Oscar Isaacs. <sighs> he, yeah, he's good. He's, he's very, really good. Isn't he's it? a very charming man. Except um, in Sucker Punch, he's kind of a disgusting person. I don't think I've seen Sucker Punch. Oh, I like that film. No, I haven't seen Sucker Punch. A lot of people haven't seen it. A lot of people don't like it. 
a lot of people saw it and didn't like it, and a lot of people didn't like it but haven't seen it. So it's oh, sort of, right, okay. it's one of those films. I like it a lot, okay. though. Yeah, he's he's really good. He was in Show Me a Hero. If you haven't seen that, I highly recommend you watch that. Um, it's a TV series. Uh, yeah, he's really good in that, and the other guy whose name I can't remember, which is awful as well. We're doing really well tonight. He was also in Star was, Wars. Was he a Harry Potter? He was a Harry Potter. Then he was a Star Wars. Um, and he's very good in it. And and he's a ginger. He's I know ginger. that about him. And the lead actress is really good. I can't remember her name. We saw a film called Morgan recently, which covers similar ground. That's about, um, it's about a girl who has grown from a, an artificial. She's grown from an artificial to be a, a thing. And it's, um, about the corporate, like, basically the corporation that funds the research sends this, uh, risk assessor to see if, because um, there's been an accident, mm. to see if they should be pulling the plug on the program. Oh, no, this isn't like... Which is quite yeah, different. But, that's very different. Yeah. But it is about an artificial an artificial woman. Yes. And it, it covers a lot of the same, that sort of ground. Is this a real person sort of thing? Should it be treated like a real person? And it's, uh, I, I, I would say it's, that's where X Machina will stand out. out. It's not quite that on the nose it's okay. so much more subtle of what it's doing um it's yeah it's very good well, um i recommend morgan as well it's quite a flat it's quite a flat film people didn't really people haven't talked about it an awful lot but it's got quite a good cast and it's played like for dr- drama rather than it's not particularly showy in how it's directed but it's literally the insurance investigator is a woman i can't remember the actress's name and the I've never heard of the girl who plays Morgan, who is the um, the artificial person. But it's literally about these two women. Um, all of the main interaction is behind, between these two women, and it completely removes all of the. Um, it completely removes a lot of the other stuff that happens in these films a lot, which I haven't seen Ex Machina, so I can't assume that's what it's about at all. But I bet at some point. I bet at some point there are sexy times in it. Are there sexy times in it? In? Ex Machina. Oh, I don't want to spoil it. Don't spoil it. I should watch it. I shouldn't judge. I come, I, Alex Garland, I prejudge everything he does because I don't really like him. But I'll, I like Judge Dredd. Dredd. Not Judge Dredd. That's a different film. Kate Mara is in. Kate Mara, that's her. Yeah, in Morgan. She's the main, she's the main woman in it and she's, it's a really understated performance, but I really, really like and her. A, the girl is Anya Taylor Joy. Yes, I like looking at her. I mean, it wasn't. I I don't think I was objectifying her, but she was very nice to look at. Oh, I definitely want to watch this film. It okay. is really good. Thank you for the recommendation. We did that thing you said that we do, and we weren't going to. Do oh it. shit! Never We've been talking for so long. Right. So you've got a comment. Yes, I have got a comment. So what? when I was last on the show, um, I read the book. I can't remember. Oh, it's, the motherless oven. That was it. Yeah, the motherless oven. <laughs> I was about to say the weather clock, but that's not right. Um, I yes read the motherless motherless oven by Rob Davis and reviewed it. And the reason I read it is because I got the can opener's daughter for Christmas and hadn't realised it was a follow on. Yeah. Um, so I'm I have read the can opener's daughter. Now I have read motherless oven, and I'd like to review that now. I want to know about this. The other book sounded demented. It is, and this carries on the the dementedness. So it starts where. Um, we this book focuses more on Vera Pike, who is a daughter, 
of a can opener. Right. Yes. Yeah. So Vera Pike was the girl that was leading um, the boys astray. <laughs> oh, so it isn't. It isn't actually. It isn't just set in the same. It isn't a sequel set in the same world. It's actually taking one of the characters from the previous book. So it focuses more. So it is set in the in the world, but it focuses on. Vera Pike and Vera is um, Scarpa. That was it. So Scarpa was the boy that was going to die in three weeks, and Vera and their other friend. Oh, I'm doing so bad this week, Nick. That's fine. We've been, we've been talking on. about films for yeah. It's really warm in here. Just it's it fine. Is, yeah, it's really warm in here, isn't it? I don't know yeah. why why it's so warm in here. Um, maybe because uh, Cass. That's it. So Cass and Scarpa, the two friends that um, Vera had picked up along the way while she was uh, trying to defy all the rules of Mm -hmm. the world they lived in and the rules of the world they live in are pretty wacky so to recap listener uh, children make their parents and they are very industrial they are made out of can openers um ovens (laughs) other things that aren't in the titles yeah (laughs) that did really well (laughs) Um, they're made of stand up hair dryers that you find in salons oh we talked about that yeah we did yeah sorry I remembered it Um, so it's sort of set in in the the 50s 60s era Um, and it's it was um, it rains knives they have weather gods they have kitchen gods and it's it's all very very bizarre whilst you're circumnavigating the fact that you know when your death day is so no one's born everybody just dies so you know when you're going to die and it's all decided for you and Scarpa was trying to be a teenager whilst knowing he's going to die and met Vera Pike who's a new girl at his school so this focus on Vera Pike and where she's come from so the first part of the book is focusing on who she is. Um, I don't think it's spoiling it too much to say that she is the the weather clock's daughter. Right. So the weather clock, when a weather clock and a can opener fall very much in love, they have... No, never mind. Oh, she made them. So she made right, her. Okay. Yeah. I got confused because I was like, but she's the can opener's daughter, but she's also the weather... There's yes. two of them. Yeah, okay, so right. she has a mum and a dad. But the... um. The weather clock is um, not not royalty, but she's she's like the prime minister. She the weather clock is the highest political person who decides things, and they're not really political. Like the highest decision maker mm-hmm. in the world that they or within the version of England or the United Kingdom. Mm. I don't know. They don't have any accents in here, so I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I'm assuming it's England, but I don't know. Well, it's uh, Rob Davis. Says, I think I think we felt like. Even if it's not clear about that, he grew up in a particular, like the 1960s, and yeah. that infuses the whole thing, doesn't it? It's 1960s England. Yes, yeah, it, it feels like, yeah, 1960s England. Um, so she's in charge. She feels a bit, which is weird because it is ahead of the time, she feels a little bit more, well, there are Mar- Margaret Thatcher-esque mm. people in this in the form of the police. Um, and the tone of the people that are in charge feel very Margaret Thatcher-esque as well. So um, she's in charge. She's not very nice. Vera's her daughter who made her. The dad's very compl- the canopler's very canopler's very complacent and wants to go along with whatever the mum says because she's in charge, literally in charge of everything. Of everything yeah. yeah. Um, they live in. They don't live where Scarpa Lee and Cass live. 
They live in a different part, which is so geographically confusing, but not confusing when you figure out where they are. Right. Um, and they are literally high society, let's just say. Ah, um, uh, okay. And, but they're not created, they're not supposed to be created by their children. So there's this whole other group of people, mainly human, they are mainly humans, mm-hmm. um, who haven't been made by things. Right. So it's all a bit intriguing. So it's expanding on the it's kind of expanding on the world and the mythology a little yes, bit, isn't yeah. it? From the first book it, that is quite different that's quite different. Yeah. But um Vera doesn't have a death day. We found that out in the previous book and we realize it's because she's decided she doesn't want to have one death days are you decide you plot I think your I death day you talking about her yeah yeah you plot your death day and um she's a very rebellious girl because she has a strange relation a strange relationship with her parents her mum's very in charge and her dad's very complacent and she is very much like her mother she is extreme like a mother um, and she doesn't want to have to do things that don't make any sense. She questions everything and she gets on everyone's nerves. But her, <laughs> like in terms of her teacher, because they're in such an, an autocratic society of mm. you will do what the book tells you. You will do what your teacher tells you. You will do your charts and you'll do this and that and not question why you should do any of this, not question why you should decide when you're going to die and how you're going to die and, and not really enjoy your life. You will do all the steps that are laid out before you, which is as, as a teenager, what it feels like. It feels yeah. like you have to decide all these things then. Um, so it's, 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 it's really nice to see the world and universe from various point of view and the lifestyle that she's had and the childhood that she's had growing up and the fact that she is a, a bit of a shamed secret almost because she wasn't supposed to create her parents as mm. she has. Um, and her mother goes, to, well, her family goes to extreme lengths to make sure that it's all kept under control that yeah. the norm that the normal way of life is is maintained in that way so it's it's just as brilliant as the first book it's more intriguing because you've got more of the story now and it does this sort of last quarter of the book you're back with Scarpa well with Cass and Vero who at the end of the last book um I don't want to spoil too much I just realized mm. <laughs> I'm stopping myself right there who have a dilemma at uh-huh. the end. I don't think that's... Everyone has a dilemma at the yeah, end of the book. Yeah, there's always that's the point of yeah, fiction. Yeah, it's the point of yeah. an end with another book. Um, so you, you pick up the story from them again as well, but you learn so much about Vera and so much is of the illogic chaos makes more sense. Mm. So it does become... There is more logic behind it all, which is really good. I can't wait. I hope there's going to be another book. I was going to really say, did hope. you get the impression from the first one like that it... Did the the first one the finish first, though? Didn't it? The first one finished, and it could be a standalone book. But because I knew there was a yeah another, I mean, you wouldn't enjoy it any less if you hadn't you think, read this. Yeah, so I guess we don't know whether there was an intention for it to be a trilogy or a series. No, or whatever. this book. But then that came out really like the I was looking it up. So Motherless Oven came out in twenty fourteen. Yeah, and that was last year, was yeah. it twenty sixteen? Considering how thick these books are that that's not very long like two years between for that to get made which i'm looking at it it is quite a thick volume yeah and um and and like lots of work's gone into it so it feels like there might have been a plan because 
because that but it, I, I do it's it's one of those interesting things i don't think i don't think there i don't think there's terminology um or necessarily critical language to to d- differentiate between the book that the book that is set in a world or with characters that the writer has ends up having so many ideas for that they finish their first book and then they want to do another one and um and the books that are always meant to be part of a series so there's always a plan yeah. do you see do you yeah, see what i mean, I, mean. Yeah. I guess i guess i guess i always think i always think when it's done organically like the first example i think of those as sequels and then other things like trilogies or series or something like that for me a sequel is we did this and either they threw money at us or we had more ideas so we did the next thing whereas like a series or a trilogy or something the the idea is it's planned yeah so it's sort of um but we don't know it feels planned there right. i mean this book definitely you feel like you know there's gonna be another one that comes next which yeah so there's an escalation you find yeah. out more about the world that that like sheds light on stuff that's gone before maybe yeah. as well and yeah and cool. leaves you've lots of questions about what's going to happen next um, I wasn't expecting you to cover this so quickly. I still, I, I, after you talking about the last one, I really wanted to read that. So, so now there's more and it carries <laughs> on being good. I'm going to have to get my skates on. Oh, like I said, really good presents. Mm. You'll know your birthday is a few months off, but yeah, yeah, you could start that list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if we're going to get birthdays this year. We're so skint. Might be cancelled. Oh well, you'll still get older. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I'll still get older. So at least there's that upside. I suppose you could just live vicariously for your children and enjoy their birthday parties more. That, I mean, that happens. All of that. Just I, have like it, six you more bowls Experience of jelly. everything through them, like it, because they're more interesting than anything that happens to you on a daily basis. Generally speaking, I mean, you know. Because I didn't have the situation in the cinema that you were talking about earlier on or anything like that. So my life's pretty dark. <laughs> I don't know if that's my highlight of 2016. Um, yeah, this is a lot about 2016. <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, I, I think that it's fair to say that, that 2016 was a bit of a drag yeah, for most it was people. Actually, yeah. Um, thank you, Jane. That's Thanks okay. for talking about that. That's awesome. Um, uh, I, we didn't do this earlier because, uh, we weren't very organized and kept talking about films, but you are on Twitter. I am, yes. I'm not very active on Twitter. I should probably be more active. They get my pledges. I will tweet more. I'll tweet at least once a week. <laughs> once? I don't know. Gonna, that's too much pressure for one tweet. Yeah, okay. Forget it. <laughs> oh, I might have to what do you tweet. I'll tweet once a day. I'll tweet whatever's on my mind. Just once a day, mm. randomly. Are you covered? You're covered, Jane. I'm at No hyphen. No. No. It's all one thing. I can't even, I can't even give out my, because that's not a private account, is it? No, no, You're no, no, no. free and open yeah. for All people to talk to. All my opinions are on my own. I have nothing to do with anything else. I, I think the thing is, I think the thing is that you're quite, uh, you're just quite like, you probably got a bit more self-control than I have. <sighs> So I, my, all of my opinions are my own, but I probably, I've had to lock my account down because I, I realise that I probably don't want those opinions to be seen by well, colleagues. And I stuff. just can't articulate myself in a way you do. That's why I don't talk about it. I just can't, you're brilliant at being able to break something down across a tweet. I can't, I just can't do that. I can't break down a big subject across a tweet. Oh, thank you. But that isn't, I haven't locked my account down because I can break down things across tweets. <clears throat> I've done it because 
I also swear too much and say, fuck you, political people, and stuff like that a little bit, which I don't think I should really be doing when my colleagues also have access to Twitter. I realised after five years or six years, or however long I've been on Twitter, that's, I mean, it's not, it's not like, I should have realised that at the beginning before I started being an ob- obnoxious on there, but no, I, I realised it in the last two or three months. That other people you know in real life could see it. Could see it, yeah. That's when I realised. Well, I mean, professional people, because the people I choose to be around me. Oh, I see. So, like, if someone's like, oh, I want to see if this guy's good for the job. Yeah. Oh, I've my God. I've effectively made no. myself unemployable. <laughs> well, I, I've always joked that I've made myself unhirable. But the, and that's not too big a concern for me. The, the real worry for me is that I might, there's a difference between unhirable, which means new employers won't take you on, and unemployable, which means your employer might look at something and say, why, why are we employing this guy? Yeah. So I've, I've locked it down. Um, and, uh, and hopefully me saying that I say all of this stuff on there isn't enough evidence for me to be to lose my job i've never said anything about my employer i love where i work i love where i work i want on the record i love my job everyone i work with is exceptionally um uh uh uh, talented and qualified for their work i'm gonna say uh exceptional my colleagues (laughs) (laughs) they're exceptionally my colleagues i've come to regard them as people i've met Uh, uh, thanks for, thanks for that, Jane. That's awesome. That's okay. And, um, and I'm gonna pass it back to me in the studio. I'll, I'll see you next week, listener. Oh, yeah. You're gonna be here next week. I'll be here next week, listener. Oh, awesome. Cause otherwise it's, it's literally just me. Talking. I'll be your friend. Yeah. Like the slightly racist crow in the Kiora ads. In the what ads? Kiora. Oh, God, you're really young. You might not remember the key. Kiora. I don't know what that is. <clears throat> Kiora was a, a really sugary uh, soft drink that you could get in these pouches, and the advert was what, like Capri Sun. Yeah, a lot like Capri Sun, but like all different different flavors. I think, like all, all in one, a bit like Umbongo. Come to think of it, Umbongo, Umbongo, they drink it in the Congo. That might have been a racist advert as well. I don't know if it rhyme if it's for rhyming purposes, is it? I don't, I don't know. know. Well, I mean, I don't know. They must have known that the Congo existed before they came up with Umbongo. In fact, actually, just the name Umbongo sounds like a racial stereotype of some kind. We should stop so- talking about soft drinks. Um, th- 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 bye, Jane. Bye. <laughs> so that's episode 112. Um, it's quite a long episode, I think, this one. But um, I think quite a good one. Uh, hopefully you agree uh, remember you can listen to all of our previous episodes at wehaveissues.net uh, you can uh, contribute a little bit of money to us uh, on a monthly basis if you so choose at patreon.com forward slash totp remember to check out hello newman uh, it sounds uh, even if you're not that interested in seinfeld i i'm which i'm not really i really enjoyed the first episode it's um it's clearly a well-made sitcom, and if if that's something that interests you, uh, James and Steve are uh, really insightful talking about it. Um, James has kind of been living and breathing this sitcom for like decades, so um, you probably wouldn't want to get cornered by him in a pub about it. But in these uh, in these short uh, under half hour chunks, 
um it's pretty interesting hearing him talking about it so um so yeah that's hello newman uh i'll put a link to that in the show notes and uh hopefully we'll be back uh next week or later on in the week we'll be back with episode 113 anyway uh thank you to jane for uh talking uh to me in the studio earlier on thank you to you for listening listener thank you to all of our patrons and uh bye bye <laughs>